Hi, and welcome to Day One Podcast. My name is Simon Moran, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with former NFL football player, J.J. Burden. How are you doing today, J.J.? Good, Simon. How are you doing today? Good. Um, so to start off, tell me a little bit about um, where you were born, where you were raised, and a little bit of how that area influenced your life. Let's see. Uh, born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, and uh, I can tell you this quickly. At a very young age, I realized I wanted something different because right. I was raised in the hood sure. of Northeast Portland. Okay. And, um, you know, I just kind of watched a lot of people around me, family members and friends and the decisions they made. And, and we kind of struggled growing up. And so I made a decision early on that I was going to do something different. I'm going to break the cycle. I'm getting out of the hood. I want right. to see the world. And that was kind of where the, I guess the, the seed was planted that I wanted to be successful in something. Now, did you see that direction as making sure to apply yourself in school or, you know, what was that thing that you felt was going to separate you? Was it playing football at a young age or what was that like for you? It was a combination of both. It was academics and athletics because I realized that academics wise, I wanted to be the best student I could be. If I'm the best student and I'm doing well, opportunities are going to present themselves. Sure. But but also I realized that I had a natural um, born talent athletic wise speed jumping uh, uh, agility so I realized that athletically I had something there too so I thought if I could just pursue both and be the best let's see what happens what what doorways open up okay and at a young age you know obviously you ended up having a career in the NFL did you have that dream is that where it was um, as far as where that big dream did you have dreams to be in the NFL at the, at a young age no no <laughs> I'm the kid who did not have the dream of you're playing the, the one of the few <laughs> and it's so funny to me because when I meet players and guys I played with that was their dream they right. were groomed to do that and the NFL was the furthest thing from my mind I had no desire and never really thought I could play in the NFL um, my passion was more about track and field sure fast guy I could jump I could hurdle and that was kind of where I was going and and it wasn't until my junior year in high school my uncle, one day after a football game, he says, you know, you're going to play in the NFL someday. And I said, uncle, you're crazy. He goes, no, 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 you're going to play in the NFL someday. And I go, uncle, I'm too small. That's not going to happen. He said, I believe in you so much that I want you to promise me your first NFL touchdown. And I thought my uncle was crazy. I right. said, get out, get out. He goes, no, just say it. I said, okay, Uncle Sonny, you can have my first NFL touchdown. But that was the first conversation that was I had with my name in the NFL. Sure. You know? Now, do you think, you know, obviously you didn't understand it in that moment that he said it to you, but do you think that that probably carried some level of impact and maybe fueled a little bit of support when it came to that aspiration or, you know, what you were trying to do? Yeah, definitely. I learned a quick lesson there is that sometimes in life, um, you have to borrow the belief of someone else until you get your own. And he believed in me. Now, I don't, at that time, I didn't think, okay, I'm going to play in the NFL. But because he believed in me so much, it really kind of motivated me to do more from an athletic sense because my uncle was a good athlete. But he saw something in me athletic-wise, and I thought, well, let me put in the extra work and see how far we can take this. Right. So you talked about your junior high school. Transitioning into college, what, what was the experience like getting to the University of Oregon and, and going down that path? Well, after uh, my senior uh, year in football, I went to Lake Ridge High School outside of Portland. I was the number one wide receiver in the state, but 5'9", 133 pounds. 
no division one school, you know, program wanted to give me a scholarship. It was all small colleges. Right. But I knew track wise I could get a scholarship. So I, I formed this plan. I said, whatever college I go to, I'm going to see if I can walk on. And Oregon was the only division one school who didn't think it was a crazy idea for me one day to walk on in football. Right. And they made a promise. He said, you come to Oregon, you run track, we'll do what we can that second year to help you walk on. Well, and, and we were talking um, about Devin Allen, who's kind of the same epitome of, of what you experienced at Oregon. It's kind of become known as like one of the most athletically driven schools out there. So talk to us a little bit about the experience of running track there and then transitioning into becoming a football player too and really managing the seasons between the two as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's an article on the internet, if you look it up, and it talks about how Oregon is one of the schools that really welcomes the dual sport athletes, the track and football. And I was like one of the first ones to really do that right. experiment. Um, and it's it's allowed other athletes such as Devin and other ones to be able to do that. But I tell you, it was one of the more challenging things for me to be a a division one athlete who's there for academics and then you're doing two sports right i never had a break yeah. and i redshirted in both sports so i was there five years i never had a break and i learned quickly how to be organized manage your time and and be very disciplined with with my schedule so um but i was able to compete in both sports and i graduated too so it, it comes down to that whole thought if something's important to you you find a way to get it done definitely so you know graduating from the university of oregon what were the what was the direction at that point what did you want to do and where did you see your life going at that point well going into my senior year it was a huge focus on my track career um i had one pack tens in the long jump the year before and that year i qualified for nationals i qualified for the olympic trials in the long jump so that was really my focus and then to my surprise when the nfl draft came around now i played at Oregon, I started my last two years. I did not have a great college football career. Uh, when you think of NFL players, college stats, my senior year, I caught 19 balls. I had one touchdown. Right. Yeah, my yeah. junior year, I caught like 22 balls, no touchdowns. So those aren't NFL caliber stats. So I just thought, no way. Sure. But I get I got drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the eighth round. I was a 216th pick. Okay. So I was a long shot. But I thought, well let me just go check out the NFL, see what this is about, because they wanted me to come to the Cleveland Browns mini camp, come back, finish school, go to Pac-10s. I mean, I had it all set up and see if I can make the Olympic team. Well, I go out to Cleveland the following week, the third practice, I tear up my ACL ligament. So immediately I had to go to plan B. There's no more track. Right. Um, and that's really, Simon, one of my focus started to become, my focus turned to the NFL. Okay. And for me, you know, 5'10", 157, that year with the Cleveland Browns on injured reserve was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because it gave me time to to see what it takes to play at that level and to get my belief system where it needed to be. Right. And so just to track back a little bit, what was the experience like going into the draft and how did that work? Was What was the process like for, for those that don't know? Yeah, for those that don't know, for one thing, I was invited to the NFL Combine which is a, um, a three-day training event that 
that every year is done. They invite the top 300 NFL prospects from college. Okay. They fly out there. They test you. What's your speed? What's your agility? Your strength? I mean, all these tests. And they use this as a way to determine where you may be drafted. Well, I got invited to the Combine. I didn't know what the combine was, but I got invited <laughs> right. and I test well. I tested pretty well. So when draft day came around, I still was not convinced I was going to get drafted. And I remember my agent who I now have an agent, the first day of the draft was the first five or th uh, five rounds. And I was like, I'm not getting drafted. I'm going to class. So I went to the class. I didn't even pay attention to it. The second day, my agent's like, you need to stay in your room because you're going to get drafted. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to class. But I decided to stay. And, okay. and, and I remember getting the call from Marty Schottenheimer, the head coach for the Cleveland Browns. And I was like, who is this? I mean, I thought it was a, a joke, right? You know, but that was the process. It's like either you're drafted or you're a free agent. And I remember getting calls from like four or five teams right around the seventh round. These teams were saying, hey, if you don't get drafted, we want you to be a free agent. Right. So that's pretty much thought what I thought was going to happen. Sure. And so after that call, where's your headspace and what ha what happens? You know, are you there the next week or, you know, what does it look like for you? After that call, it, it, there were two reactions. One, I was shocked. Then I was excited. And then I was, my third reaction was, oh my goodness, what? Because the head coach is like, we need you to come out here now and start training. And I'm like, wait, I'm about to graduate. <laughs> I'm getting class, ready for coach. the nationals. I'm going to Olympic trials. And I remember feeling confused because they wanted me to stop what I was doing and come out there. And, and it was not part of my plan. Right. So, so it's interesting that I end up tearing my ACL because then the decision was made. But I'll tell you this. Had I not torn my ACL, I may have not played in the NFL right? because I didn't have a passion for that. That wasn't the passion. The passion was track and field. Sure. So it's interesting how things worked out. Now, you go on IR your, your first year at the Browns. Where's your headspace out there? Because that can be diff difficult for a lot of guys, you know, that go out there. I was just watching something where Marshawn Lynch was was talking about he had guys who would come into the league and they have career-ending injuries like the first year. So how did you battle through that, and where did you see your direction in the NFL going? Well, I was very fortunate that the Browns were willing to honor a contract that I didn't even have yet. Right. I didn't even have a contract yet, but they were still willing to negotiate and give me a contract so that um, I would have the opportunity to be in the organization for a year. And I, I'm as a as a speaker, I'm very positive. You know, positive people see the bright side of everything. And I'm thinking, okay, they're gonna give me a contract. I'm on IR, no pressure. My job is just to get healthy and learn the system and and like I said, increase my belief system. So I really thought that as a blessing because I had no pressure that year. Mm -hmm. And like you said, a lot of players, you come in and you're there's constant pressure to make the team. It wasn't until the next year where the pressure started to build because now I'm going through camp. I'm not a hundred percent, but it's it's like one of the most intense job interviews you could ever go through. Because it's physical, yeah. You yeah. have to show your abilities. Like it's either it's pretty black and white. If if you can run, you know you're good. If you can be a, you know agile on the field, it's it's pretty apparent yeah. when it comes to that structure. So you ended up playing for the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Falcons. Mm -hmm. Talk us through um, what that was like, and and you ended up having to obviously move around for your job. What was that dynamic like at home and just professionally as well? Yeah, I was I was truly tested. 
you know, about whether or not this was an important goal. And I'd always ask myself, how bad do you want it? Because when I was cut by the Browns that first week, I get a call from the Chiefs, uh, the Lions and the Packers. I immediately fly out to the Chiefs. I flunked their physical. The next day I fly out to Detroit. I flunked their physical. The next day I fly out to uh, the Packers and I flunked their physical because I've got some swelling in my knee. Right. So within one week, I flunked four NFL. I get rejected by four NFL teams. Right. So it's really a moment of what I call where I have a chance to have a breakthrough because breakthrough means that you're faced with a decision and either it's going to take you down and out or it's going to take you to bigger and better things. So I made a decision that this is my moment to bigger and better things. And I had to go to work. Sure. And I had to put in the work, get that knee healthy. And then it was a matter of just being in the right situation. Because when I went to the Cowboys that year, I was on the practice squad all year. I never played in a game. The team was 1-15. and 15 And I didn't want to be there. And at the end of the season, Jimmy Johnson felt that I would not be able to play in the NFL. Fortunately, I didn't care what he thought. I just needed that opportunity. Right. But anyway, the Chiefs came calling right after this season. Now I'm 100%. I'm running 4-3, 4-3-3 in the 40. Before the injury, I was 4-3-9. I mean, yeah, I got yeah. faster. So, um, But then, you know, I went on to have a pretty good career. So for for the listener, the, the, the person that is a young kid who has aspirations and dreams to either go to the NFL or play on a sport on a professional level, what advice would you give to that person today? Well, there's two things I would tell them. And I would say one is focus on your academics. Make sure that's a priority because no matter what happens, nobody can take that from you. And that can create options for you. But if you're pursuing the athletic path and there's a couple things you need to be ready for. You need to be ready to put in the work. And I'm talking about putting the work when nobody's watching. Right. You know, to make it to the level that we played, you've got to have discipline. And that discipline is the ability to do what you need to do when nobody's watching you, no one's reminding you. And it's like when I was in high school, I would sit there in my bed throwing up the ball and catching it a hundred times a day. It's in college, catching hundreds and hundreds of passes. So you gotta be willing to put in the work. Sure. And I also say find a good coach or mentor someone who can help you who can advise you who've already walked the road that you're trying to get on right because you think about all the athletes in the world great athletes pro athletes everybody's got a coach they've got a mentor sure. you know so and then the last thing is just you got to have that you got to accept the fact that success is an endurance race it's not going to happen overnight. And sometimes for our young athletes, they have this entitlement syndrome. You know, I want to start now. Right. How come I'm not playing more? How come I haven't made the team? Instead of having the thought process of, you know what? Maybe I'm not starting. Maybe I'm not getting a lot of passes, but I'm on the team. I'm in practice. I'm going to use practice like it's my game day. Right. I'm going to get better until I get my shot. So I'm ready for my shot. Sure. You know. So you grew up in Oregon. Tell us how you ended up in Arizona and a little <laughs> bit about what you're doing now. So, um, yeah, so I'm in Arizona now. I love Arizona. Born and raised in Portland. But uh, I just got tired of the rain. <laughs> There's a lot of rain up in Oregon. Sure. As beautiful as it is. And um, my wife and I and our children, we just decided to move down here because, to be honest, when I was in the NFL, every time I played the Cardinals or Jacksonville or Miami, I thought I want to be in a warm climate area. Right. Uh, but we moved out here you know, 10 years ago, and I, and I love it. 
And uh, but yeah, business wise, uh, I call myself an athlete entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, I launched a um, a motivational speaking career about five years ago. So I do a lot of corporate speaking and using what I learned during my journey to the NFL and just showing people in the business world here are the principles that it takes to be successful. Sure. And then um, I wrote a book, which my first book became a bestseller. Right. Right. When here. opportunity knocks, eight sure fire ways to take advantage. It's about seizing your opportunity opportunities in life and and then I work with a local company here um, health and wellness company called Isogenics yep. and everything I'm affiliated with Simon is to really help people be the best of the best and achieve the goals that they're going after so you know transitioning out of the NFL you know just like transitioning out of the military or just different professions that like that's your life when you get into it it's a hundred percent or you're just not you know gonna be successful at it tell us about what the transition transition was like coming out of the NFL into what you're doing today and because it's a pretty big deal for guys that are in the league right now trying to figure out how what direction to go it really is and unfortunately some guys struggle with that and and one of the goals I had when I was in the league was first I wanted to play four years four years is when you're vested you you qualify for retirement right but I was always thinking about life after football the transition because I knew the average player plays 3.2 years. Sure. So I wanted to be able to make that transition. And so I was always networking with different people in the business world, making connections, trying to create those opportunities. And when I retired, I immediately dove into the business world and I became owner of um, three small companies, two medical based companies, and then one fitness equipment company. So I had a nice transition set up because I was actively making contacts. And when the career was over, those contacts just kind of pointed me in the right direction, right. which led me to the businesses I own. But, and that's what I think is one of the mistakes that professional athletes or some professional athletes make today. You start planning your transition really in college. You yeah. should be planning it right before your career begins because you don't know how long, how long it's going to, going to last. I think the unique thing today is, is you have the rise of social media. You have so many different avenues that you can take post-career now that you can use your success and your fortune while you were in the you know NFL to transition out and, and have a success outside of it too. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about you're really heavy into motivation. You're really into health and wellness mm -hmm. and things like that. What is your daily routine? routine and, and what is your plan of action to attack every single day and what do you really you know set out to do yeah very good yeah I call it my daily method of operation um, it's one of the things I learned from being an athlete I love structure and when you're an athlete for most of your life you're always told where to go what to do and when to be there and so when I retired I've tried to keep up that same routine so business-wise I set my schedule the night before on my computer, which goes to my phone, because my goal is always to wake up and hit the ground running. I know exactly what I need to do so I can be on purpose. And so being I have two businesses, I'm always carefully scheduling, here's the action steps for my isogenics business today. Here's the action steps for my, my speaking business. And so um, being organized has really allowed me to stay very productive. There's a, a speaker out here called named Sue. Susan Sly, she has this quote I love. She says, the enemy of success is disorganization. You know, so Certainly. to stay on point from a successful standpoint, I always make sure I'm organized and on point there. So looking 
over your career in its entirety, what is something that you can give to the listeners is like that key formative advice in their careers that they could focus on on a daily basis to have success? The thing I probably, you know, there's so many ways you can go on this, but I'm going to say this. One of my favorite little JJ-isms is about doing the work, but I say blah, 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 do the work. And the problem is there's so many people who aren't willing to do the work. Right. They make excuses and this has happened and that's happened. They've dealt with obstacles, challenges. I've dealt with all that stuff. But if you're willing to consistently do the work and you got to do the right work too. Right. Eventually something positive is going to come out of that. So whatever the goal is or whatever the occupation, whatever they're pursuing, they have to know what the work is. What are the action steps and be willing to make the commitment to do it no matter what even on the days you don't feel like doing it because that's what's happened to me. All the challenges and obstacles I've had, I've always been a worker and being a hard worker has opened up the different doorways that I was able to go through. Sure. So in wrapping up here, tell us what the next five to 10 years looks like for the direction of JJ bird. <laughs> Good question. Well, I'd say this, you know, there's been a huge focus on um, my speaking. I've added, two, uh, three new keynotes this year. Um, cause the first couple of years I had two and I've added a couple more because I'm starting to get a feel for what audiences want from me. Sure. So it's really continued to create content that's touching that touches people's heart and get them to action. So, um, but the other thing is I'm excited about writing another book. This was the first book I wrote. And anytime you do something for the first time, you know, it's just, you're not as good or you just, you know, it's just not your best because yep. you're still learning. Sure, and sure. so I'm excited to, to write a few more books because I have a lot of content in me. And I believe there's a lot of people out there that are thirsting for that, that motivation or the inspiration, especially from someone like me, because I'm the little guy. 510, 157, you don't see guys that, si that size playing in the NFL, but I'm the, I'm that, you know, the David and Goliath. Right. And I want to show people that in spite of whatever you're dealing with, it's possible. in spite of the challenges, anything is possible. Sure. All right. Well, uh, just tell the fans. So I, could you talk about maybe to like all the listeners, like dealing with rejection, like kind of overcoming that fear of rejection? Because like you said, you got rejected four times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely love to talk about dealing with rejection, but here's what I call, I have this term called FASCO. It's failure, adversity, setbacks, obstacles, and challenges. Whatever it is, I put them all in one category right. when you're dealing with that. And the thing I tell people when you deal with FASCO or rejection or whatever, there's a couple things you need to do. The first thing is you have to ask yourself, how bad do you really want it? And that all comes back to your why. What's your motivation? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because if the why is strong enough, the process to get there is not a challenge. You'll do whatever it takes. There are many times I was in a game when I got to go hit a 260-pound line linebacker and I'm 157. Why do you do it? Because it's important to me to provide for my family. That was motivating me. The second thing is you got to have a plan. Have some kind of plan. What's your game plan? And you know, as I shared earlier, I had a plan to walk on in Division One school. When I got to Oregon, I started secretly watching the practices, and then I begged the coach for a chance to walk on. So I had a plan. The third one is 
Find a mentor. I said that earlier. Find someone who can help you and make sure that um, you have someone who's already walked the road you want to get on because if they've already experienced success, they can certainly share that with you. And then the last one, I'll say it again. Got to be willing to do the work. You got to be willing to do the work because if you're willing to do the work, the opportunities will open. So that's just my advice to people because I tell them my, my story. When I got those no's, when I got the rejection, those no's made me hungry. They made me want it even more. And that's kind of the viewpoint you have to have when you deal with rejection. They should make you hungrier. They should make you want it even more. Awesome. Great stuff. Great advice. I really appreciate you coming on. Tell the, the fans and the listeners where they can connect with you, maybe where they can schedule to have you speak or connect on social media as well. Absolutely. Go to my website, jjburden.com. That's the hub. You can access anything as far as speaking wise. Um, I got a nice newsletter called the burden report as I write or send out a, a monthly motivational newsletter. You can sign up for that too, but I'm also all over social media. I'm very active on social media. I love to connect with everybody. So uh, connect with me and send me a, send me a direct message. Awesome. Well, JJ Burton, uh, we appreciate you coming on today and we'll link his uh, information and book in the bio as well. So have a great day. All right.